You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. You can open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2, and I'm going to open us up in prayer. So glad you're with us today. We're excited um, for what the Lord has in store for us. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you for just another opportunity to gather as your people. Uh, We thank you for uh, the weekend of rest that comes and just the opportunity to pause and reflect about the upcoming week, and uh, Lord, just an opportunity to get our hearts right and our minds focused on you, and we thank you for that. Uh, We thank you for this church. We thank you for the work that you're doing uh, in and through us, and uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to grow us and uh, mold us into the image of your Son. Uh, Lord, help us to continue growing in our ability to think uh, biblically about every situation that we're faced with. Um, Lord, that we would learn to trust you more and more. Um, especially when trials and troubles come into our life, um, Lord, that we would run to you rather than away from you. We thank you for what you're teaching us through Exodus. We pray that you would continue uh, to reinforce those truths today as we look back over the past couple of weeks. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that are visiting with us today, uh, you may never have been here on what we call Application Sunday. And we do this uh, about every six weeks, and it's an opportunity for us to have some extended fellowship, which you've just had the opportunity to participate in, where we serve breakfast and just give an opportunity for uh, you as a church family to uh, spend some time together just talking and catching up. Oftentimes, it's hard to do that when uh, we get here for service, maybe coming right in as it's starting, and then a lot of times our schedule is such where we have to leave and go uh, not long after, and so we try to carve out some time every couple of weeks or every six weeks to give you just some extended fellowship, to eat together, talk and uh, catch up. Uh, But then it's also a time for us to catch up and remember what God's been teaching us through the Word. So we're going to do that again today. We're going to look back over the last uh, several weeks of uh, what God's been teaching us through Exodus. Um, I think it's good for us to have that time to be reminded. If we're not careful, we just go through through sermon after sermon after sermon, um, and, and we never pause and hold ourselves accountable. Hey, have I done anything with that? Do I remember any of that? Um, has my life been changed by what I'm hearing? Because that's what our desire is, not just to pump out more and more content every week, but to uh, see us not only hear the Word, but do the Word. And so uh, we'll pause and do some of that today. But before we get into that, I wanted to share with you just a few updates from our leadership retreat. So annually, every year in January, um, our elders and our deacons uh, get away for two nights and uh, just spend time talking, praying, sharing, uh, dreaming uh, about what God's doing through our church. Um, and so we were able to do that this past weekend. And uh, a part of that is to always take a look at our budget, upcoming budget uh, needs that we have. And uh, so we were able to do that. And so I wanted to update you and let you know that on January 29th, so that's two weeks from today, we are going to uh, have uh, Ben share, uh, who oversees our finances. Ben's going to come and share um, an update about our giving from last year, as well as what our budget uh, looks like for this upcoming year, how you can give and know where your money's going uh, in regards to that. We're making a few adjustments that we'll be able to share in two weeks as well, particularly how uh, we're going to be giving to missions this upcoming year. And uh, so excited to share with you about that. Encourage you to be praying between now and then, because if you're a member here, we ask all of our members to, uh, through an anonymous um, format to let us know how much you are planning to give this year. 
Uh, what we do is take that committed giving and kind of factor in our spending for the year. And so if you're a member here, we always do this. We ask you guys to pray and to contemplate. We don't, we don't teach hard percentages here about what you're supposed to give to the Lord. We teach that you're supposed to give cheerfully and you're to give as you've worked it out with the Holy Spirit in your conscience. We believe that together in giving, we're able to use our resources for great purposes uh, to help build God's kingdom. And so uh, if you're a member here, we'd be encouraging you to pray over the next couple of weeks uh, to evaluate your finances. What are you going to be able to give this year so that we can um, plan accordingly as a church uh, how we will give our money away uh, as well? Um, just a couple of quick updates that you need to know now in regards to uh, this upcoming budget. We are going to cover uh, the cost of Snowbird for our adults for retreats this year once again. So this will be the third year that we've been able to do this. God is blessed in the giving uh, towards our church, and so we have the funds to do that. So uh, coming up in March, and this one, is, uh, this one needs to be prioritized for our men because they're already filling up quickly uh, at Snowbird. And so uh, for those of you who don't know uh, what Snowbird is or have never been before, um, it's a Christian retreat center and summer camp for our youth uh, that's in Andrews, North Carolina. It's only about three hours away from here, so pretty close. Um, they've been instrumental in both mine and others in our church's discipleship over the years. Uh, my wife and I met there working at summer camp as well, and so uh, it's, have a, it's had a big influence on me as well as this church, and so we try to encourage our, our members and even those who are regularly visiting to be a part of that ministry too. So if you're a member of our church or you're regularly visiting our church, then we invite you to come with us to Snowbird, and we'll cover the cost of that. So um, our men, we're going to be going March 24th through the 26th. Um, take a look at your calendars. We're going to post a sign-up today on the Realm, and I'm going to start calling in numbers probably tomorrow because they updated me and said, I think there was about 80 spots left uh, before they're going to be maxed out, and so we don't want to miss out on that opportunity. I think last year we took about 20, um, so we'd love to take that much, if not more, uh, this year. So look at your calendar. We'll be posting that, but March 24th, 25th, and 26th, um, all your costs would be covered, staying on campus, all the meals uh, as well. So encourage our men to be a part of that weekend. Um, let's see, uh, something that I want, especially our members, to, to listen into at, at this piece, because as we continue to uh, evaluate the growth of our church, as well as evaluate and anticipate continued growth, we want to make sure that we're proactively thinking how to um, adjust things here in our building to allow that growth to continue to happen in such a way where people come, they have a place to sit, um, and we can, we can service those individuals that God is bringing to our church family. And so we've been in conversation with you guys about what it's going to look like to take out um, what we've now been able to determine to take out really this entire wall. Now we're going to have to provide reinforcement uh, with columns to support the structure of the, the building. But our desire is to, to duplicate this side of the building on the other side. So we would be removing uh, the separation of those two rooms and, and allowing our entire um, Sunday morning experience to kind of bleed over into that room. And so we're looking to, to make some significant changes to the structure of our building. Uh, we've also been in conversation with our landlord, and God's always done this over the years. He's always um, saw him fit to, to let 
units open up as we need them. And so the, the unit on the far end uh, where the chiropractic service is currently um, has come open as well. And so we've been in conversation with um, our landlord about obtaining access to that building, which is going to give us opportunity to expand our nursery offerings and uh, just provide, I think, more security and just a better experience overall for our kids as well. And so um, with that comes a lot of costs. And what we have committed to here at our church is that we want to communicate with you before we take on expenses like that and to give you an opportunity to come and talk to us and, and kind of dialogue with us about what that might look like. So when you factor in uh, the changes that are going to have to take place, tearing down the wall, uh, doing some minor construction after that, we're wanting to replace the carpet so that we've got matching carpet on both sides. Um, we're having to move some of the audiovisual stuff around to accommodate that change too, uh, adjusting things to our soundboard. Um, I'm going to give you a number, and then I'm going to let you just kind of think about that number for a second, and then I'm going to explain to you why that may not be as high as it feels uh, the good thing is, is that we've been able to save money over the years to where we'll be able to pay for this without any type of debt or anything like that. We're not having to ask you for any additional giving. Uh, we've been able to um, be blessed by the Lord over the years with our giving, both membership inside, but then people that have donated from outside too have been able to give. Um, we've had multiple quotes given. We're estimating that to do all of that, and the, I'll tell you the big expense is going to be the increase of chairs uh, on both sides to allow for the growth. We're wanting to um, replace these chairs, which have been uh, donated to us from another church. And so they've been through uh, many years of service. And um, we'd like to get that fixed. Uh, we'd like to um, be able to do that on both sides, maybe not immediately, uh, but certainly uh, pretty close after to getting the construction done. Um, but we're estimating that the cost overall is going to be somewhere between fifty dollars and $60,000 to do all of that. Now, some of you I've talked to individually, and you're like, that's what I would expect. Maybe others are sitting there going, wow, that is an incredible amount of money for what doesn't seem like a whole lot of work that it should take to do that. Now, we looked at another church that's similar to us in size and in the area. They're looking to vacate their current premise, um, and they're starting a building project. And the communication they've had to give to their church family is they need to raise about $650,000 just to get access to land to even start the conversation for building. They're anticipating somewhere between 2 to $3 million to, to put themselves in a position for their growth. Um, again, they're not too much different in size of us, but they're kind of feeling the same things. We're blessed where we're in a spot where we can continue to expand here and not have to take on that type of financial obligation. So um, if I gave you a choice between $3 million or $50,000, I mean, now it sounds like, wow, that's cheap. We should do the $50,000, right? So um, we're, we're super thankful, super blessed, and super grateful for our landlord who continues to work with us. Um, I can't give you specifics right now, but um, he's, he's communicated to us that he's willing to give us a significant break on our rent over the first year of having four units so that we have money to continue to put into the renovations that we need to make. So uh, super thankful that the Lord continues to give him a, um, just a kind heart towards us um, as renters here. And so uh, we're super grateful for that. So I wanted to kind of give you that information up front. Ben may share a little bit more detail in two weeks when we get to that point, but um, we want to give you at least two weeks to, 
to kind of reach out and ask questions and um, dialogue with us if you have any concerns about that. I think most of you realize at this point that if you're not here on time, or even if you are here on time, if you're not here early on a Sunday morning, you run the risk of maybe not having uh, a seat for your entire family. Um, and that's a good problem to have. And so we're thankful that uh, so many of you are coming and wanting to be here. We want to make sure that uh, a visitor doesn't come and feel like, hey, there's not a place for me here. They're already maxed out. Like we want, we want you as, as visitors to know this is an investment not only in, in your life, but also in those who the Lord is going to continue to bring, that we want, um, we want you to know that we desire for you to be here if the Lord wants you here, and we want you to have a spot here and not feel like you have to rush to get here to have a seat um, on a Sunday morning to worship with us. And so um, we believe that once all the changes are done, we're going to be able to sit in our Sunday morning experience somewhere between 225 to 250 people if needed. So um, if nothing else, that gives us a place to spread out, and you don't have to feel like you're sitting right on top of people. So uh, we're super thankful for that. Now, the last thing that I want to share with you before we get into uh, just looking at God's Word this morning, one of the conversations that we had this weekend is just as we continue to grow, the need to continue to add to our church leadership. Um, that's something that we haven't formally done uh, probably in the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um, we've kind of been functioning and managing with uh, four elders and uh, with three deacons, and as we continue to grow, the the needs will continue to expand, whether it's individual family needs, individual member needs. Uh, we want to be able to help serve and help care for those needs as they pop up, and so we want to make sure that um, we have enough uh, uh, people on our leadership team to facilitate that, um, as well as as we grow, there's uh, going to be more oversight that's needed for our building. Um, as we continue to look at um, our missions ministries and things that we want to do there, there's just more oversight that's needed for that. And so um, next week, um, I've asked Adam McLeod to, uh, to basically come and share uh, just a reminder uh, for our church um, what Deacon uh, ministry looks like here at Sovereign Hope, uh, both biblically and then practically for us. And then we're going to begin the steps of asking you as our members to give feedback to us, those individuals that you believe have shown themselves qualified to potentially serve in a position like that. And then we want to reach out to them and elders and begin the process of expanding our leadership uh, to continue helping facilitate the growth that the Lord gives us. So be in prayer about that too. Uh, we look forward to sharing with you more about what that's going to look like uh, in the coming weeks as well. I think that's everything that we wanted to update you on immediately. One, other, one last thing, though, is that um, also facilitating the growth, our nursery continues to grow, too, with the amount of people that participate in that. Um, and our workers continue to decrease because our workers are contributing to more people in the nursery. So uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to be down to our nursery workers having to be in there every four, every, once every four weeks. We'd like to be on a one to six or one to eight ratio as far as how often they're having to serve. Due to several of our nursery workers having babies, though, within the last couple of weeks, or about two, we're going to be down to every four weeks having to rotate our workers. So if you're a member here um, and would be interested, even if it's not serving indefinitely, even if you just wanted to serve for a shortened time period until some of those workers come off that maternity leave, we'd welcome you. Um, you can come see myself or Adam McLeod. We can connect you with Elizabeth uh, for background check purposes. Um, but we'd love to have um, that just kind of on your radar. Even if you don't have kids in the nursery, 
Um, we'd love to have you coming and serving in our nursery if you're a member here. So be praying about that because uh, we'd love to have more workers coming to facilitate that growth. All right, let's jump back to Exodus chapter 2. <laughs> Exodus chapter 2. Um, and we're just going to recap really quickly today just because I know I had to add a lot of that retreat update for you to be praying about. And so um, we're going to kind of go through this quickly. Um, but I do think it's so valuable for us to be reminded of what the Lord's been teaching us so that we can have that time to pause and to reflect and to make sure that we are applying what God's word has to say to us. So going back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Our summary sentence from that week was, As believers, our help comes from the Lord, who hears our cries, remembers his covenant promises to us as his people, sees our individual predicaments, and knows exactly what to do when his timing is right to act. We talked about how leading up to the end of chapter 2, so all through chapter 1, most of chapter 2, there's so many things that are happening in this scene where God's people are being persecuted. They have gone from a big family to a people group. Pharaoh's threatened by that. He's put them under harsh persecution to try to stop the growth. He's even tried to limit their ability to produce and to reproduce through the killing of children. And so, uh, so much is happening and so much heartache is being experienced here. Um, and the people are crying out for help. They're groaning. They're, they're feeling the weight of the burden. And um, verse 23 reminds us that when we pray to God and we cry out to God for his help, he hears us. He hears our groaning. He remembers his covenant. He knows what we're going through. I challenged you uh, this week that the, the verses here really set the framework for the rest of the book. It helps us to see that everything that flows from here on out is God's response to the groaning and cries of his people. It doesn't, it doesn't put the focus on Moses as being this great savior. It puts the focus on God being this great provider, this great, uh, this great God who cares for his people, who works to save his people. And so verses 23, 24, and 25 are so important because they remind us of where our help comes from. It doesn't come from political change, right? We talked about how the king of Egypt dies, a new Pharaoh comes into power, but it's more of the same right? It's more of the same. There's corruption in the leadership there. We experience corruption in our leadership. Even the best leaders, even if your guy or your girl wins the election, there's still going to be possible deception and corruption that comes from that heart. There isn't full uh, assurance and hope in political change. God certainly uses kings and leaders to bring about change when he desires, but our ultimate hope comes not from political change, but from the God that we can cry out to. We hope in a God we pray to because he hears and he remembers and he sees and he knows what to do. I challenge you to take comfort in what we're seeing in the story of Exodus, to see how God cares about our own predicaments and he's responding even when it feels like he's delaying, right? He hears these predicaments from the people of Israel. There's delay outwardly, right? The people of Israel don't see him working and moving. We know as we read this story, he's working and moving all the time behind the scenes. We can trust he's doing the same for us. Our help comes from the Lord. We moved into Exodus chapter 3, and we saw the burning bush experience. 
right? It began with God revealing himself to Moses there when he tells him to take off his shoes. He reveals himself as holy, meaning he is infinitely separate from us. Yet he also reveals himself as compassionate, meaning he is eternally connected to us, making it our responsibility to both obey and to trust him always. You get this uh, almost ominous picture of Moses standing before the burning bush, and there's instructions given about God's holiness and Moses removing his shoes as a a sign of respect and proper fear towards Yahweh as he begins to speak, keeping in mind that it's been centuries since they've heard from God, right? God was faithfully communicating to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to Joseph. You feel like the, the connection there at the end of Genesis is still very sound, right? God's revealing his plans. He's even, uh, Jacob's even crying out to God, hey, should I move our family? Like, this is the promised land. We feel like this is where we're supposed to be. Do we go to Egypt? Egypt hasn't been great to our family over the years. We've gotten in trouble when we've gone down there. God says, no, like, I want you to go. You're going to take your people. And he even warns Jacob. He says, you're going to kind of get into some trouble again down there, right? Like, you're going to go, and you're going to find yourself in, in slavery and bondage because the, the promised land has to bake a little bit. It has to get ready. It has to cook some. The, the Amorite sin has to be maximized to justify me giving it to you, to justify me having you come and extinguish those people. Their sin hasn't reached that level yet. And so a lot of things at play, but God's directing his people. Then he kind of goes silent, at least from the scripture side of things. We don't hear him talking to his people. And now he shows up in the burning bush and begins to speak. He reveals himself as holy, but he reveals himself as a connected God. He's not just above us, he's among us. He begins to communicate these truths to, to Moses, how he's still bought into his people. And we talked about how we belong to that people group, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We may not be able to trace our family history physically to those people, but by faith, we are part of that family. And so when he says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's our people. We belong to this people. And we should be encouraged by God's ongoing faithfulness to these Old Testament saints. He comes to be among us, to care for us. So we talked about uh, that concept of taking off our shoes, that you do that in somebody's house when you feel comfortable, right? Like you're just, you're relaxed, but you also do it when you feel like you need to show a sign of respect, like, hey, your house is too nice for my dirty shoes. Like I need to take these off. Like I don't want to mess up your house. And that's kind of a, a two-sided coin that we should have with God, a perspective where, hey, we're, we're super relaxed and, and restful around him, Right? We have that comfort level, but then there's that, that side where there's also this great respect and this awe for his holiness. What we said, though, is that Moses got off track. He, said, he was told to take his shoes off. God says, hey, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. You're going to save my people. And then Moses starts with his excuses one after another. And we said what really needed to happen was put your shoes on and start being obedient to what God's called you to. That's our responsibility, to, to respond differently than Moses. To take our shoes off, yes, to respect our Lord, to rest in him, but to also be ready to put our shoes on and to act out in trust and obedience to him. Exodus chapter 3, 11 through 22, we talked about how God calls each of us to serve him with an expectation that his presence qualifies us and his promises equip us with all we need to communicate the message of hope that God cares and he is coming. That's our message to our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors, that God cares and he's coming. 
that we have him to go with us when we have these type of conversations. We have his promises, which equip us with the necessary content that we need to tell others about him. I shared with you this week that when we doubt our capability to serve God, we trust in his presence to qualify us, right? Moses says, what if, what if they won't listen to me? Or, or what if I can't be effective? God says, I'm going with you. Like, I'll be there with you, which will guarantee the success that I want you to have. He is with us. We saw this week how there's so many verses in the New Testament that give us that comfort, that he never leaves us, that he never forsakes us, that he's with us until the end of the age, he tells his disciples. Go and make disciples uh, of yourselves. Go, go and have more people follow me, and I'm going to go with you to help in that process. When we doubt our expertise in answering for God, Right? When, we, when we worry that people are going to ask us questions that we don't have answers to, we rely upon his promises that we do know as the content for communication. I challenge you this week, are you stretching yourself in ways that you need God's presence to succeed? Are you sharing his promises faithfully with those that you come in contact with? Moses' excuses continued into chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. God made us So he's able to use the abilities and inabilities he's given us to accomplish the tasks he has assigned us, making our greatest challenge not the success of the tasks, but our trust in his ability to succeed through us, right? God calls us to things, and he knows what we're capable of doing and what we can't do. He loves to use the weak things of this world to make himself strong, to show himself as mighty, right? And so God continues to reinforce to Moses, I'm calling you to this. I'm going to equip you to do this. I'm going to do this through you. When you don't know what to say, I'm going to speak through you. When you feel like you need reassurance, I'm going to do signs through you. We have that same assurance that God's call and his plan will work. There is no tension in whether God's plans will succeed. The tension is not in will we succeed, but will we trust him? That's where the tension lies. There was no tension as to whether or not Moses was going to be able to do what God called him to. The tension is, will Moses believe God that God's going to do what he told him to do? God's sovereignty enables our disabilities so that our inabilities become his capabilities. He creates us, and then he calls you. So whatever God's called you to, whatever job he's given you, whatever family role he's given you to play, he's equipped you to do it. Even in your inabilities, you leaning upon him for strength He's called you to do it. Our application from this week was obedience to God is more than just doing what God says. It's partnering with God in what he says. Meaning we believe what he says, we desire what he says, and then we do what he says because he's good and he's God. Exodus chapter 4 verse 18. Let's look there in our Bibles together. Verse 18 says, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please, let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. 
Then we have the weird section, 24, 25, and 26. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you were a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. We said at God's child, my failures are defined by whether I carry out acts of obedience prescribed to me and not whether my acts of obedience produce particular results. Since God may work through my obedience in ways I don't understand. I mean, God tells Moses, you're going to go do this. And if you are fully obedient to me, like if you do everything right, Pharaoh's going to say no. Like, I'm calling you to go do this. And if you do everything to the book, like you do everything that I say, it's not going to be successful from man's eyes. Right? The tension there is not, will Moses succeed? It's, will he be obedient? Will he trust God? He's called to be obedient here. He's not called to produce specific results. And what we see here at the back end of this section is that he's not been obedient right? Like there's this particular area of his life where he has not circumcised his son. He's failed to do this, right? He's doing a lot of other stuff that is obedient, right? He's, he's being faithful. He's been called by God to do this. And he even comes off the mountain, goes to Jethro and says, Jethro, I'm leaving the, the family business. I'm going back to Egypt. God's called me to do this. He starts to take these steps of obedience. And then God just halts the whole thing and says, whoa, like you've neglected a key area of your life. You haven't shown obedience here. And Moses has to get things right. We fail not when we don't see results. We fail when we don't obey. Do what you know God has called you to do in order to get where God wants you to be. Don't be discouraged if you're obeying but not winning. We talked about how setbacks are promised. We don't worry about the results. We don't get discouraged when our obedience doesn't yield wins in our life. Instead, we, we take comfort that if we're being obedient, we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. I also challenge you that to keep the guidance in favor of God upon your life, you have to remain active in daily obedience to him. When we start to neglect areas and we become rebellious and disobedient, and we don't have the favor of God at that point on us. We should trust that even discipline may come into our life to correct us. And so it's a good reminder for us to always be evaluating where we're at in life and making sure that we're striving to be obedient to him. Our application from this week was, if I want to, uh, to claim the covenant promises of God, I must also accept the covenant obligations given by God. Can't claim the covenant promises if I'm not going to also be obedient to this God's covenant. So I challenge you with the question, can you say that you're currently striving to be obedient in all that God has called you to be and do? Christmas Eve, we looked at Exodus 4, 27 through 31. I want to read that to you as well. It says, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him in the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke, to all, the, spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Such a cool passage to see Moses and Aaron, who have been given direct revelation of God, coming to the people, communicating that truth, communicating those promises in response to the cries and the groaning, right? Like we've been crying and groaning to God. Does he hear us at all? And Moses and Aaron basically show up as an answer to prayer and say, our God has heard us. 
Like our God hears and he remembers and he keeps his covenant. He's committed to us. They hear these words from Moses and Aaron and they begin to worship God in response, right? We talked about how the the word usage here is is a word for for visiting his people, much like Christ came to visit us 2,000 years ago when he took on the form of man and humbled himself and became a servant to the point of death. God visits his people here, provides for his people, cares for his people, acts on the behalf of his people. We're called to worship this God. Exodus chapter 5, we saw... Moses go from a spiritual high to a spiritual low, right? He, he communicates with the Israelites. They respond and believe. He goes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no way. I don't believe your God. I don't listen to your God. I don't care about your God. Um, I'm not letting the people go. Exactly what God promised would happen, and yet Moses spirals, right? We say he loses his mind here uh, in response to how everything just starts to unravel. The people get angry because Pharaoh makes it harder, takes their straw away, the, the elders go before Pharaoh, and, and he tells them, like, this is how it is. Like, Moses asked for this, and I've rejected his request, and I'm making things harder. And so the, the elders start to kick back against Moses. Hey, you've, you've done this to us. Like, you've done this evil. And what is Moses' response? Not to point them to the promises of God. Instead, he goes to God and says, God, what are you doing? Like, are you evil? Like, do you not care? And we talked about how it just feels so odd for Moses to have all this truth and then to react this way. And what I've tried to challenge you guys to see is that we do this ourselves so often. We sit here on a Sunday, we affirm the truths that we hear, we step into Monday, and the trials that we say, yes, they're coming, God's promised them, they start to come, and we lose our minds, and we start to doubt God and his goodness, and we question what's he doing, and why would this happen to me? It's the general promise of trials becoming practical specifically in our life that we need that belief for, that God is good in the midst of those specifics. That's what happens here. We never have to worry about God's plan being deviated from. Our summary, if you don't know the Lord, then you won't trust the Lord when his plans seem to be failing. But if you'll expect trials to come and expect him to be working faithfully in those troubles, you'll find all the help you need in 2023. God's plans never get deviated from. Remember, Pharaoh says, I don't know the Lord and I don't submit to his authority. We have to. We have to know him. We have to submit to his authority. We're to anticipate the general trials that are promised. Uh, Know that they're going to show themselves in specific ways in our life and then not lose our minds, but instead see that God still remains faithful. We talked about how we don't we don't turn from the earthly help that we need, right? Like the elders turn away from Moses. They turn away from Aaron. They go crying out to Pharaoh now. The cries and groans don't go to God. They go to Pharaoh, the evil one, the one who's oppressing them. They turn from their earthly help. When they needed spiritual leaders, when they needed God, they turn from that. They feel lost and confused and disappointed and hurt, and we're not too different from them, right? When we experience those same emotions, oftentimes we turn from the help that we truly need and we go looking for it through other sources. We go looking for it through earthly means. Instead, we need to turn to spiritual leaders, those those people in our life, those supporters, those accountability partners, that Christian fellowship, church leadership, to turn to that help to say, what do I need to do? I feel lost and confused and disappointed and hurt. We turn to the heavenly help that we need. To get what we want, we celebrate, we worship. When when God gives us what we want, just like he gave the Israelites, we're we're certainly prone to worship. 
We have to worship him when he's not giving us what we think we need to. Israelites start to complain here. We're called to still worship him. The application from two weeks ago, when things become a stinky mess, we fight discouragement, we fight despair by running to the Lord with spiritual supporters to help us get there. When we don't know how to understand God, we need spiritual support in our life that can help us push in that direction. And then last week we looked at Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. I want to read that to you as we get ready to close. It says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Remember we said it's like the magician who has removed all other explanations for the trick that he's about to perform. We said the difference, though, is that God's not working a trick. He's not, he's not using a sleight of eye like, movement here to where he, you think something's happened. No, he's removed every possible explanation for the deliverance that's about to happen. Israelites, Moses, they've all hit rock bottom and now says, God, God, God now says, now you're going to see what I'm going to do. I'm about to deliver you with a strong hand. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment." And I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. We talked about how trials and troubles are promised. Generally, they specifically come in unique ways. But we have to come back to the general promises that can sustain us if we choose to believe those promises, even if the specific follow-up questions we ask never get answered. And it'd be awesome if I could tell you, hey, God promises trials to all believers, and then you're going to get specific trials, right? And then God makes general promises to all believers, and then he gives you specific promises when your trials hit. But he doesn't typically do that, right? As you begin to groan and hurt and experience whatever it is you're going through, we don't, we don't get a letter from God saying, here's why. It'd be awesome if we did. Certainly would clarify a lot. But what, what a sign to the lost world when we keep trusting the general promises. When we don't know why. Because Moses says, why, Lord? Why, why have you done this? Right? In verse 22, uh, in chapter 5, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to the people? Why did you ever send me? And God just keeps telling him what he's already told him. Doesn't ever tell him anything new. Doesn't tell him why. God doesn't promise to answer the why questions. When we want to ask why, we need to remember what we already know. Our understanding of his sovereignty must move from theological to the practical. His control is our hope. We trust that he remains in control. He remains in control at all times. The enemy has no real power. He remains committed to us. He's binding himself to us, right? To Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to all their offspring. He stays committed to us. 
and he stays compassionate. There's so many I am's and I will's in this section that should give us hope today too. He's the same God and he will give us the same deliverance from our troubles as well. I challenged you last week, our goal, God's goal for his people is for his people to know him, to trust him, and when everything in life changes, to always see him as the one to count on. Not to doubt him, not to run from him, but to run to him, to count on his deliverance. All right, as we close today, I want to give you two things to remember, two things to do for our application. So looking at these past, and this was a a longer gap between applications, so I think we went eight weeks. Two things to remember. Number one, my life will have highs and lows, but through it all, God knows. I want you to remember that. What we've seen from Exodus 2 through this this part of Exodus chapter 6, we've seen spiritual highs and we've seen spiritual lows. We've seen God's people responding well and then God's people going through seasons of doubt. The same is going to be true for us. We're going to have highs and lows. But what we keep seeing in these these chapters is God, God communicating to us, He knows, He knows, He knows. I mean, think about the most recent hurt that you've experienced, whatever that may be, and it would look different for all of us, but just pause for a second and think, when's the last time you felt hurt or disappointed or mistreated, like some type of injustice was done to you? You didn't get the job you wanted. You didn't, you didn't uh, maintain the relationship you wanted. You didn't get the child you wanted. Whatever the disappointment, the hurt, the injustice was, pause for a second and tell yourself, God knows. And God knows all the inner workings of that situation. He knew it before it happened. He knows you and what is happening as you're experiencing it. And he knows exactly what he plans to do afterwards. I can't offer you anything better than that from God's word, that God knows. He knows in the highs and he knows in the lows. Number two, God's character and his commitment to care for me should carry me when I have insecurities and questions about his plans for me. Man, we went through meticulously looking at that conversation that Moses and God are having. Moses feeling so insecure, having so many questions, and God kept coming back to his character and his commitment. Moses, trust me. Trust me because of who I am. Trust me because of what I will do. The same things I did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm going to do for you. Remember these two things. If you forget everything else we've talked about in these sections, don't forget these two things. Highs and lows, God knows. His character and his commitment to care carries us when we have insecurities and questions. Two things to do with that knowledge. Number one, be obedient to all that you can while trusting God with all that you can't do. Right? We talked about how there's this partnership. Man, God calls us to do things for him, and we have to do those things. We have to be obedient to those things. And it may not always yield the fruit and results that we want, but we trust God with those things that we can't do and we can't control. Be obedient to what you've been called to do. And at the end of the day, you stand before God yourself alone, not with your spouse, not with your kids. It's you and God. Be faithful to him. Do and be what you are supposed to be. Be obedient to him. Do what you can, what he has called you to do, and then trust him with all the things that you can't do. All the things that you can't control, you trust him. You trust his character. You trust his commitment to you. 
Number two, let the promises of trouble push you to know all the promises God has made to you. And we know that trials are promised. And what are we going to need to push through those trials? We're going to have to fall back on the promises that we know of his care for us. We need to be able to draw upon those quickly in the moments when we start to see darkness coming upon us, to fall back on those promises that we know. To be in God's word, to surround yourself with truth, with, with supporters in your life who can remind you when you're prone to forget those promises. Let the promises of trouble push you to know all the promises that God has made to you. I encourage you to think and ponder what we've learned over the past several weeks in Exodus and to hang on to these truths. I'm going to pray, and um, Tyson's going to come, and we're going to sing to close out. Um, we're not partaking of the Lord's Supper today, um, not for a great spiritual reason, but because as we continue to grow, we ran out of Lord's Supper stuff for today. And so it is on order, and Amazon has promised to deliver it today, but you guys will not be here when it gets here. So we will partake of the Lord's Supper again soon. Um, normally, those that are visiting, Application Sunday includes the Lord's Supper, and the reason we do it on these days is because we want to use it as a visual reminder that we are saying yes to Jesus and yes to all of his work uh, in and through us. And so normally we would partake of that, but I'm going to encourage you to reflect anyways in light of doing that and to ponder what we've heard and to sing and express worship to him uh, as we sing together to close out today. Lord, we love you. We praise you and you thank you for all that you're doing here at our church. Lord, we thank you for the goodness that you've shown, the ways that you've blessed, and the ways that you continue to open doors. Lord, when we moved here 10 years ago, we had no idea what was going to happen. And, and we talked as elders and we, uh, we wondered, are we doing something crazy taking on uh, two units when we barely have enough to, to even justify one in our church family? And Lord, you just continue to open doors and you continue to bring people to be a part of your family here. And um, Lord, we've just tried to be obedient to you every step of the way, not always knowing what doors you would be able to open next. And um, Lord, it never crossed our mind 10 years ago that we would be looking at uh, obtaining four units here, that we would have a need for four units. But God, you continue to, to bless us and we thank you for that. Lord, as we go into this new year and we begin to evaluate how are we going to use our money, Lord, we want, to, we want to know that trials and troubles are going to come, but we want to give generously, even in light of those promises, knowing that you're going to care for us, that we're able to show a lost world what it means to believe the gospel when we hold loosely to our earthly stuff. Lord, I pray that you would move us into 2023 with a mindset of being obedient to you in everything that you've called us to. When we feel insecure and we question your plans, Lord, help us to come back to your character and your commitment to care for us. Lord, as we experience highs and lows this year, help us to remember constantly that you know and to find comfort in that. Lord, I pray that we would push ourselves to know your promises this year. Lord, raise up people in our life, Christian fellowship that can push us in that direction when we're prone to forget. God, I pray that you would raise up more leadership within our church as we grow so that we have the spiritual support system in place to care for the people that you're bringing here. Whether it's elders or deacons or small group leaders, Lord, we want to see you grow our leadership so that we can be an extension of your care to your people. 
Lord, we look forward in anticipation to all that's to come this year. Help us to do our part, to do what we can, to respond to the things you've called us to, and then to trust you with every detail that we can't control. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.